Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of the Spectator. Today's Americano is going to be a little bit different. We're listening to version of the interview you heard on the main Spectator podcast. Next up, it feels like forever since the first rumblings of inappropriate contact between the Trump camp and Russia. But this week, we've heard perhaps the most substantive noise so far. Donald Trump Jr., the president's big game hunting eldest son, has been caught up in a leaked email thread that could tie him to the Putin administration. But is the evidence actually rather thin? Paul Wood considers this in the magazine this week, and he joins me now along with Freddie Gray. So, Paul, who is Rob Goldstone and how has he come to find himself embroiled in a scandal that once again apparently threatens the presidency of Donald Trump? Yes, wouldn't it be ironic if the president of the United States was brought down brought down by two Brits, one, of course, being Christopher Steele, the former MI6 spy and Russia expert who published his now famous dossier on allegations that Trump was being blackmailed by the Kremlin. And now we have Rob Goldstone, who is, as I write in the piece this week, one of those eccentric minor characters which sometimes pop up in political scandals or crises. And if you look at his Facebook and his Twitter, it's uh, it's just fantastic. This is a man who clearly, let's say, is at home in Trump world with the glitz, the glamour, the brashness, the vulgarity. And as such was chosen, according to his own emails, as the rather unlikely go-between between the Russians, perhaps Russians connected to the Kremlin, and the Trump campaign. Freddie, what is Goldstone's relationship with Russia? How has he ended up being this go-between? Well, he, he represented a Russian billionaire called Aras Agalarov. Well, actually, he represents the son, Emin, whose father is... Um, Who's the pop star. What somebody derisively described to me as a minor oligarch, <laughs> but still rich enough to pay for his son's pop music career, which I suppose the unkind critics would say hasn't been terribly successful. But when your father's a billionaire, he can buy you the stage and buy you the publicity and buy you a Rob Goldstone to promote you. And buy you positive Donald Trump tweets. If you go back through Trump's Twitter history, he said, you know, really think we can build a Trump Tower in Moscow to this minor oligarch. And then at the end put, as for Emin, the pop star, wow, exclamation mark. Not only the tweets, actually, uh, if you look up on YouTube, Emin Agalarov and Donald Trump, you'll see... That after Trump was elected, when you think he'd have really other things to worry about, he sent a sort of bizarre exchange of messages with Emin Agalarov, both congratulating each other. You're the best. No, you're the best. Uh, <laughs> it's right there on YouTube. But I think the interesting thing about this story is, is like all these Trump-Russia stories, the first time you read it, the first time you see it, you think, God, wow, that's serious. And then after about a day or so, the sort of dust settles and people say, well, is it that bad? Now, does this mean we've just become accustomed to the horror of Trump? Or does it mean that actually there really isn't that much of a scandal there? And I mean, I think Donald Trump Jr. this time has been directly implicated in trying to get evidence from a, in a means that would be illegal. And as Paul says in his piece, there's plenty of people who have, weren't aware of the law who are now in jail having breached it. But is it more a case that actually this terrible collusion between the Russian government and Trump is actually just a case of a very strange PR man in Britain trying to put the eccentric Trump family with a very minor oligarch in, in Russia. Paul, do you agree with Freddie that some of the reaction to this story and previous ones has been over the top and that it fades as people actually realise what the reality of the story seems to be? That was certainly the argument of Donald Trump Jr. who appeared on Hannity last night, Fox News show, which is pretty much a mouthpiece for the Trump right in America. Uh, it's a big nothing burger, is their argument. Look, I met this woman and actually nothing came out of it. 
There are several problems with this defence. First of all, attempting to collude, or the critics would have it, conspire with a foreign power and an adversary of the United States, and simply failing because you're not much good at it, uh, isn't a great defence in politics, certainly if not in law. Secondly, this meeting undoes six months of White House explanations that there never were any meetings uh, sought by the campaign, that none took place, uh, and that the assessment, United assessment of the US intelligence community that the Russian state interfered in the election to help Donald Trump was politically motivated nonsense. And here you have Donald Jr. Uh, accepting this meeting on the basis that here's the Russian state trying to help. And it's really a question of what more is out there. If the New York Times has this, and they can only have got it from the intelligence community, what more is there to be leaked out? Uh, this is not going away. I think it's only going to get worse for the Trump White House. That's interesting, Paul. You say they could only have got it from the intelligence community, because there's quite a few rumours that it might have actually come from the White House. I suppose it could have come from the White House, a disloyal official in the White House, but he or she would have had to have got it from the intelligence community in the first place, unless we are back to Donald Trump's speculation about a £400 man sitting in his bedroom hacking away. Or In this case, the £400 man or the £300 man, to be accurate, is Rob Goldston introducing a lawyer from Moscow, apparently connected to the Kremlin. So I suppose it's a distinction without much of an important difference, either an official briefed by the intelligence community or members of the intelligence community themselves. And really, what more's in the files? That's the important question. Are we going to see an end, of, end to this? Nobody imagines that. But there's quite a good conspiracy, nonetheless, quite a coherent conspiracy theory, that actually th- this story could end up being something of a nothing burger. Donald Trump Jr. will take the fall, may even have to go to jail over it. What's but, a nothing burger? Well, a nothing burger means, uh, <laughs> it's Chris Christie's phrase, I think, or certainly he used it quite prominently recently, it means it's sort of a seemingly big thing that amounts to nothing in the end. And I, I think the, the coherent conspiracy theory about this is that this is Trump's way of inoculating himself. Donny takes the fall, little Donny, who's not very popular among Trump's closest advisers. And actually, it removes Trump from the equation. It may not play out that way. But it's odd that the New York Times should have this story now. And I, I wonder if there's something in the idea that this leak came from the White House and not intelligence officials, as Paul says. Trump does have a long history of ringing up journalists. There, were, there was briefing against his chief of staff, Rents Priebus, to journalists in Washington. And, and it appeared, according to the media here in Washington, D.C., anyway, that it was Trump himself briefing against his own chief of staff. In the 1990s, he had the habit of ringing up journalists in New York pretending to be a PR man and pretending to leak details about which glamorous women Trump had slept with. And then people noticed really the voice was quite similar to Trump himself. It's quite but a distinctive remember- voice, isn't it? It's quite a distinctive voice. Yeah, I don't know how he <laughs> thought he'd get away with it. But you have to remember two things. First of all, nothing we know about Donald Trump's personality suggests he thinks strategically. He gets up in the morning and reacts. That's how he's always done it. And that's how he appears to be behaving now. There's no evidence of strategic thinking. Secondly, for the last 10 or 15 years in business, anybody who's looked at his businesses carefully have said he's basically acting as the brand ambassador. He's the guy who goes on TV, shoots his mouth off on Twitter. And the actual deal making and negotiating in detail is done by the kids. So Donald Jr. be behaving politically exactly as he's said to have behaved in business. And at the end of the day, he's family. I don't think, I can't imagine 
that Donald Trump would serve up his own son in this fashion. None of this makes any sense. But, you know, stranger things have happened in this White House, this presidency, in this campaign. So who knows? And Freddie, you have written in a number of pieces that there is a developing a real obsession with Trump's Russia links. Do you think that's going to continue? And do you think it's actually worth the Democrats and the, the liberal media's time in the way that they're expending their effort at the moment? I think it's I think in a sense, it's a worthy obsession, certainly for journalists, because I mean, as Paul has done some brilliant work on this, and I wouldn't ever say he's been wasting his time I think it, there's something there and if it can be proven it's a huge conspiracy bigger than Watergate so it's worth journalists doing I do think the Democrats have got hung up on it to the extent that they don't actually bother opposing Trump properly in any other way they don't form coherent responses to his pretty disastrous healthcare plans for instance and that the opposition to Trump is effectively the media and the Russia story it's not a coherent political response to a political phenomenon that has shaken American politics to its core Paul, what's the reaction like to this in America? I don't think in the heartland, among Trump supporters, anybody gives a fig about Russia. He goes around still having these Make America Great rallies. They're still well attended. His core support, every time he's criticised by the liberal media, I think his supporters just like that. And in fact, it seems to be a deliberate strategy of the Republican Party in general to uh, campaign against the media. The media are treated as the official opposition, and to be fair to them, looking at some of the coverage, sometimes the media behaves like the official opposition. But this isn't just a political process, it's a legal process. There is a slow, plodding, grinding, thorough, remorseless FBI investigation headed by a special counsel, Robert Mueller, former head of the FBI. And that's going to look for evidence of lawbreaking. And if it finds evidence of lawbreaking, it's going to report that, it's going to act on that. And then the politics will be transformed by the legal situation, exactly as happened under other scandals, such as uh, the impeachment proceedings that President Clinton faced. There's a legal and political track and they both affect each other. Freddie, do you think this could be the ultimately the end of the Trump presidency? At the moment, I don't see how this smoking gun, I think it's more dramatic perhaps than any other Russia scandal or element of the Russia crisis, Trump-Russia crisis so far. But at the moment, I don't see how it's grounds for impeachment. And I think people are maybe jumping the smoking gun, as it were, perhaps a little too soon. And Paul, what do you make of that? This is a long process. Most people looking at the FBI investigation think it'll take another couple of years before they've done the groundwork. Uh, You know, nobody should expect the US Marshals to be kicking in doors at dawn in Trump Tower. And it really depends, I suppose, when you come to impeachment on the politics of this, because the Republicans have a majority in Congress. Many of them don't like the Trump administration, don't like President Trump, but they're sticking with him while his numbers are high. But if the Democrats win the House in 2018, if Trump's numbers drop, Then you will see the the politics in Congress amplifying what happens in the legal process and vice versa, and all bets are off. Thank you, Paul and Freddie. And if you want more like this, tune in to our Americano podcast hosted by Freddie. Why wait for tomorrow's papers? The best analysis of the day's news is already on Coffeehouse. To subscribe to the Evening Blend email in order to receive the best of The Spectator each day, just head to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend.